The views expressed on the following program do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. There's one power strong enough to break the cycle of addiction and incarceration. One name that restores and redeems hearts. One true Savior. This is Prison Transformation Radio. Stories of chains broken and hearts restored. Here are your hosts, Jim Moore and Pastor Dwight Anderson. Hello, church. Happy Saturday afternoon. Thank you for joining us. We've got a great day today, Pastor Dwight. We have a couple of my colleagues from Minnesota Adult and Teen Challenge joining us. And uh, that's actually for this week and for next week as well. We'll do a couple of back-to-back programs. Uh, Just a couple things that are coming up. In addition to our guests, uh, hearing from our guests from Teen Challenge, you can actually come to Teen Challenge. Mm. On January 18th, we're inviting people to come behind the scenes. Come to the ministry school, uh, meet the leadership of Teen Challenge, see what happens. What time is that, Inside Jim? the ministry. It's, uh, these are three meetings are the third Thursday of the month, and they, they're 11 to 12 o'clock. You'll hear the presentation. And then free pizza. All right. You know, feed them and they will come. That's what we're going what's with. What's the address or how would I find we'll get to, it? We'll, we'll, get we'll direct to the website okay. and that with it. And, um, and that's, that's a good point, though. Have your pencils ready because we're going to give you a lot of resources for how to connect with Teen Challenge and how to connect with R3 and Prison Mission Association. And so, so that's uh, some exciting shows coming up. Just in the weeks ahead, we also, you'll be hearing from Serenity Village, mm-hmm. uh, from Pastor Jed and from Mike Shea. Uh, they t- they provide the total package in transitional housing for people coming out of treatment in prison. So a lot of good shows coming up. How are you doing, Pastor Dwight? I'm doing pretty good. I was sick this week, but I'm feeling a little bit better today. Yeah. And thankfully, I can be on the show here. And yeah, I'm looking forward to Mike, uh, Shay, and Jed. Both of those go into the prisons with me, like the transition yeah, fairs, and they give out books because they both written books. Yeah. They give out books to the, the guys in prison as well. Well, excellent. So if I just, uh, Holy Spirit, come, heal Dwight, heal us all, and just let this be your voice that speaks today, Father. And uh, reach out to the airways, people in their cars, listening to podcasts on their computers. Just, just bless this time that we have together. So the subject today is going to be, you'll be meeting Saul Selby in a, in a minute or so, but we're talking about the interplay of addiction and incarceration. Mm-hmm. And just the, the number that always shocked me is about 80% of the people who are in prison or jail struggle with some a substance abuse problem, and that seems to be one of the root causes. And, and so we're gonna talk about how that, that interplays happen. As people hear, there's not only an opioid epidemic, but you know it's just getting out of hand. Prisons are full. So a lot of our heart, maybe you can touch on this too, Dwight, is when we first worked with the Salem Media Group to do this show, part of our heart was to not just let people know about these ministries, but to give people information. Right. Understanding, right, what's going on behind all this. Yes, yeah, we want to educate. We want to see lives changed and transformed by the power of the gospel. And so today we're going to really, it's really exciting to be able to share a little bit about what God's doing yeah. in all these different phases. And if, if there's anybody out there today that's struggling with addictions or know someone incarcerated, we're going to give you some, some help to cope with that. Yeah, and I'll, I always like to kind of lead in if someone is struggling with addiction and our, our guest is from Minnesota Adult and Teen Challenge, they can always call 612-FREEDOM. 
That's mm-hmm. 612-F-R-E-E-D-O-M. Mm-hmm. And you, they will be supported in, in identifying what are the opportunities in treatment and, and help them get involved. So Saul Selby is the Vice President of Clinical Services at Minnesota Adult and Teen Challenge, which uh, is Teen Challenge has really worked on expanded mental health services, clinical treatment, all built around the cross, all in a decidedly Christian environment. Saul has also uh, been the clinical services director at Hazelden. Uh, he has been founder and involved for decades with uh, Mission Evangelism to Corrections. Mm-hmm. So, so those are volunteers that go into the prisons, bring the gospel, and try to help people. So Saul, God bless you for joining us. It's, Thank you, and welcome aboard. It is my pleasure, Jim. It's great to see that you have this program, you and Dwight. I actually heard you uh, one Saturday a week or two ago, and I was very impressed. You sound great for the radio. The topics were great. Yeah. It was uh, fantastic hearing you, and um, I'm sure this program is going to run for thousands of years. Yeah, wow. we, we were hoping it would be eternal, you know, but yeah. we're kind of... A long time. As I am in my recovery, I'm taking it one week at a time, oh, okay. you know, right. and we'll kind of go from there. And uh, so, Saul... Again, the interplay of addiction and incarceration. And um, help us understand. I know you, you speak a great deal on this. You've been on the radio a lot. Help our listeners understand. Yeah, well, there's a couple of ways to look at addiction and incarceration. One way to think about it is people that use illegal drugs do illegal things just by okay. you take an illegal drug and what are you doing? You're breaking the law. So you're, yeah. you're setting the stage for you possibly to be arrested, even if you don't necessarily have a severe drug problem. People who drink on a regular basis sometimes drink and drive. Yeah. So if they drink and drive, they're breaking the law and they set the stage for them possibly being incarcerated. So that's one thing to think about uh, as you look at this issue. But probably more significantly is the data suggests that at least eight out of 10 people that are either in jail or prison, and I, you know, I don't know whether your listeners know the difference between jail and prison, but there is a difference. Please help us with that. Should I tell you something Please about do. the difference? Oh, I'd be happy yeah, yeah, to do yeah. that. Okay, so, so if you get arrested for any reason, um, where you start out is in a county jail. It's a county system, and people can spend a half a day there, or they can spend up to typically a year there, depending on their legal situation. If they uh, eventually go before a judge and, um, and if they are found guilty of a crime and sentenced, if they're sentenced for under a year, they tend to stay in the county jail. And if they're sentenced for over a year, they'll go to a prison, either a state or a federal prison. Okay. So um, anyway, if you uh, look at the history, the substance abuse history of the people that are in either jail or prison, what you'll find is about 80% of those people have a substance abuse problem. Mm -hmm. And uh, in in many cases, maybe not all, but in many cases, they probably would not have ever been in jail or prison Mm -hmm. if they never used drugs or alcohol. So uh, for them, the primary focus of rehabilitation, for some of them anyway, is to get them to stop using drugs and alcohol so they don't set the stage for future incarceration Mm -hmm. and messing up their lives. Right. So in a way, the addiction is like a driving force of the criminality. It, it in, can in be. In many cases, it can it, it be. It can be. You know, it's, it's so, um, there are different factors. You know, certainly anybody who's using a lot of drugs and alcohol may be setting the stage for illegal activity. And if they have multiple DUIs or multiple fights, I mean, that's going to create the opportunity to be arrested 
and you know get longer sentences. Uh, there are also people that just think antisocially. They don't yeah. like rules. They don't like laws. They don't like being told what to do. And those people, whether they use drugs or alcohol, may find themselves in legal difficulty. If they add drugs or alcohol on top of that personality type, you yeah. have a formula for disaster, which is probably going to result in, in a lot of time in jail. But you know, there's one point that I think I'd like to develop a little bit if I can. Yes. And, and it has to do with, um, you know, the pervasiveness of substance abuse and addiction. Um, you, know, uh, you know, basically what we have in our culture, I mean, I, what, let, me, let me set the stage this way. Why do people use drugs or alcohol and why do people eventually develop problems with drug and alcohol use? Yeah. And the primary reason is they're unhappy. Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, it, drugs and alcohol will... Uh, for a period of time, you know, enhance the level of dopamine re uh, released in our brain, give us a sense of satisfaction, uh, help us to feel good. If we're depressed or anxious or sad, or maybe we have too much energy, we're trying to slow ourselves down. Drugs uh, have a practical function. And so there are a lot of people in our culture that are unhappy. And, and we're, we're, mm -hmm. as a community, as, as a country, we are getting better and better and better at creating kids that are not satisfied with their lives, yeah. that are dissatisfied with their lives, that are unhappy, and they're mm -hmm. looking for mechanisms to feel better. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is we, you know, I mean, I'm, I don't know whether I should admit to my age, but I'm 65. I, I'm an ex-drug addict. I stopped using drugs and alcohol when I was 27. Uh, but when I was a kid, um, you know, when I was in grade school or junior high, I really didn't have drugs or alcohol available to me. Yeah. Uh, but today, our culture is making drugs and alcohol much more available to mm -hmm. kids at a younger age, and not just you know like rotten marijuana from Mexico. I mean, they're able to get opioids that'll kill them. Yeah. I mean, so not not only is there more of a proliferation and availability of drug use to get people to feel better if they don't feel good, but the power of the drug is is much more significant than it used to be. Plus, there's more social acceptability yeah. to using drugs. You know, I know a lot of our, a lot of our listeners have heard about the opioid epidemic, and it's just been starting small, maybe ten years ago. But, and it's not just the inner city thing anymore. It's in the suburbs, yeah. and it's it's folks it's even taking, in the churches. Yeah, too. well, yeah, yeah, the pharmaceutical medications so people who are prescribed medication. But the tragedy to me is some youngster going mm -hmm. into the medicine cabinet. Right. And there's some painkiller pills and, and they snitch or they steal them for a little bit and then they run out and then heroin is readily available. And that's that seems to be the mixing for an opioid epidemic. Help us understand that a little bit. Yeah, well, I, I mean, so I abused opioids when I was a, a teenager and a young adult. And so opioids have always been around. Heroin has always been around. You know, pharmaceutical opioids have always been around. Uh, but there was a significant change about 15, 20 years ago in the medical community, and there was a real push in the medical community to say that people should not feel pain ever. It used to be the doctors oh. were very conservative in prescribing pain medication. Mm -hmm. You know, if you had surgery, here's five days worth of pain meds. When you're done, you're done. If you come back and beg me for two more days, maybe I'll give it to you. But what those physicians were taught is, just give people 30, 40 days, 50 days worth of pain meds because we don't want people to feel any pain under any circumstances. Mm -hmm. And I don't know to what degree the pharmaceutical companies were behind that, but but that that push- They make went, more money. Well, yeah. For those that think conspiratorially, um, you may be inclined to say that there was a conspiracy behind this. 
you know, to you know, make more money for certain groups of people. I can't speak to that for sure. But what I can say is, by virtue of that, more and more of these uh, pills were in medicine cabinets, and then more and more. Uh, young people, more pe people would, uh, you know, the people with the injury might abuse them. They might be more likely to become physically dependent on them because they were using them for longer periods of time. But if I used them responsibly and I had 35, uh, you know, Percocet yeah. left in my medicine cabinet, if my 14-year-old kid opened up that cabinet, yeah. I was running the risk of him taking them, mm -hmm. sharing them with friends. And now all of a sudden what happens is you have a 14-year-old taking a very physically addictive drug. And if they take it long enough, they, they, they get go into withdrawal. They, they become physically dependent. And now there's no more stuff left in the medicine cabinet. What are they going to do? They're going to go on the street and try to find something to manage the withdrawal. Now they might buy heroin. But the thing is, you think you're buying heroin, but you may not be buying heroin. You may be buying fentanyl-laced heroin or just fentanyl, which is what I've been told 30 times more powerful yeah. than heroin because it's cheaper to manufacture. And so now all of a sudden your, your, your body is unable to tolerate this much more powerful opioid and it, you run the risk of shutting down your system, your respiratory system shutting down, overdose and dying. So th there's been a significant increase in the number of people that have died yeah. uh, you know, from opioids. That and then that in jail's right around the corner because you start dealing the drugs in order to supply the habit. I know for many years I worked with Teen Challenge going into the jails and advocating treatment he challenge is an alternative to prison and mm -hmm. and so i'd like you to tell us a little bit of, of we have this problem but we do have organizations like teen challenge and i understand there's also treatment available in prison correct and you give us some sense as to what how teen challenge can help people with this but also if they can't make it to teen challenge what can they find in prison yeah, just, just if you're tuned in right now, I just want you to know you're listening to KKMS 980, The Mission, and this is Prison Transformation Radio, and I'm Pastor Dwight Anderson with Prison Mission Association, my co-host Jim Moore with the R3 Collaborative, and we're interviewing um, Saul Selby with Teen Challenge, and he's going to answer that question. I just wanted to let people know. So what's again. the solution or what is a step in the right direction? Right, so there's like a, a different ways I'd like to respond uh, to that question. Um First of all, you know, one of the things that I'd like to say, and I've been involved with addiction treatment for almost 40 years, and I've been involved with uh, helping people incarcerated for about 35 years. Okay. And, you know, the, the, there are interests in completely decriminalizing drugs because they feel like the system may be unfair in penalizing certain groups of people for drug use, and, and there may be inequities in the system that need to be addressed. But one of the things I will say is if it wasn't for the legal system putting legal pressure on these addicts, yeah. they wouldn't, a lot of them would not get help. Yeah. You know, one, one of the characteristics of addiction is people don't really want to stop. In many, in many cases, they don't know they need to stop. So by putting a person in jail for a short period of time uh, to stabilize their brain, brain, stabilize their body, and to reflect on really the seriousness of the situation often is therapeutic. Um, and, and then if they are able to be uh, court-ordered into some form of treatment as opposed to a long-term prison sentence, I think exactly. that's, that's ideal. That's really beneficial. Now, there are jails that have treatment centers in them. Some jails do, some jails don't. They have relationships with providers, and they set up what they call Rule 31 programs in certain jails. And, of course, uh, prisons 
do also have treatment programs. Now, what they tend to do, from what I understand, is they will put people in the treatment program toward, toward the tail end of their sentence. Yeah. So if you're sentenced for seven years, you know you may not be able to access treatment until the last six months or so you're there. And there's only a few hundred beds for every for thousands of folks, so it, it's it's not available to everybody in prison. Right, and 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 quite frankly, a lot of those people really benefit from going to a treatment center in the community once they get released, because yeah. you know they're assimilating to a whole new, you know, much freer environment where there's more access to drugs and alcohol. So, I, and, you know, because Teen Challenge, I mean, you know, one of the things that's really unique and really beneficial about Teen Challenge, and did I say really? Because if I didn't say really, no, I'm, I I'm, really want to say really. I'm thinking uh, really, really. I, I, I mean, a double really here is Teen Challenge can keep people in their system for two years. Yeah. And, and some people desperately need at least a year's worth of time to stabilize and reassimilate themselves to the world outside without drug and alcohol use. I used to work at Hazelden. Hazelton's considered by some the very best treatment center in the world, but really they're able to keep people in their system about four months. Yeah. And, and it's fairly expensive as well. Um, it's a great program, and, and for certain categories of people, it's, it, it's done wonders. I was a client there, so I'm a big advocate of Hazelden. Uh, but Teen Challenge is able to take people with virtually no income at all, people who are, are, are very yeah. poor, and put them in a, in a wonderful environment, a stable environment, where they get all levels of great care, mental health care, substance abuse care, uh, spiritual care, and um, turn their lives around. And a lot of these people, typically people that end up in prison or jail for a long period of time, they have new levels and layers of problems that aren't resolved simply by deciding to not give up drugs and alcohol. They've got emotional issues. They typically have relational issues. They struggle with vocational issues. And they, they often need a lot of time and a lot of care uh, to, to assimilate new skills and new abilities to not just stay sober, but to be successful in the outside world. And I, you know, you're listening to Prison Transformation Radio and Saul Selby with Minnesota Adult and Teen Challenge. And next week, Tim Walsh will be joining us, and he oversees mental health services and the long-term recovery program at Minnesota Adult and Teen uh-huh. Challenge. And what Tim will be talking about is there's layers to this. There is the addictive, the physical addiction. Then there's 80% of the people have a psychological disorder. Mm-hmm. And then there's something called criminogenic needs, which is this ingrained criminal thinking. And if you, you need to address all of them in order to get some. And I've heard you say a lot, Saul, so research shows the longer someone can be in a treatment program, the higher the probability, right? Yeah. You know, it's funny you mentioned Tim's name because if Tim were here, something I'm fairly confident he would say is that about of nine uh, out of every 10 addicts that need treatment only one of them get treatment oh my god yeah so so um only 10 percent of the people that actually would benefit from substance abuse services uh get it 90 percent don't get it and that's one of the real i mean in my mind one of the real benefits of the legal system is you know people begin to get into trouble and all of a sudden you've got legal leverage and that legal leverage can help them get help that they normally wouldn't get I feel confident if Tim were here, he'd say something like well, that. Well, I'm, I'm confident he will pick that up. Say, Saul, so you really showed us the, the problem. Now, 
Tell us a little bit more about the solution. If someone's listening right now, how do they get in touch with you or how do they get enrolled and what's involved at the Minnesota Teen Challenge? Yeah, well, that's a fantastic a fantastic question. So, um, you know, uh, what a 612 Freedom, I think, is our general number. Yeah. So people can call in and just speak to one of our staff and ask about our program. You can go online to our website. I'm not sure what the website is. MNTC.org. That's pretty simple. Okay, MNTC.org. You go on our website and you you know hit a button that says you're interested in filling out an application, yeah. and you start filling out an application right online. And you can fill out an application in jail. You can check with the chaplain yeah. or, or with the guards, and and they'll get you applications. Right, and speaking of stuff in jail, okay, so Teen Challenge does something else that's very unique. I mean, in a lot of yeah. ways, we do a lot of unique, special things. And one of the things we do is we have mobile assessments. So to get into treatment, you need to get a funding plan. And that funding plan usually is a byproduct of an assessment that's done by a professional who's able to evaluate, do you have a problem? How severe is the problem? What level of care do you need? And this assessment can often generate funding through the state of Minnesota, uh, particularly if you're low income. And, you know, we do those primarily at our Stevens location in Minneapolis. South South Minneapolis. Minneapolis. In South Minneapolis, right. 3231 First Avenue, South Minneapolis. But there are people in jail that just can't get there, right? Yeah. Uh, But if they begin uh, an application process and they need an assessment, if they're in the metro area, our assessment team can send a mobile assessor out there uh, so they can get that assessment done. That can really, it's very helpful to some people. Again, Prison Transformation Radio. You've been listening to Saul Selby, uh, the Vice President of Clinical Services, Minnesota Adult and Teen Challenge. We've been talking about this interplay of of addiction and incarceration and just how mm-hmm. one in one is three, and it just magnifies the whole problem. And um, as, as Saul has mentioned, there are tremendous resources available through Teen Challenge. Um, in the weeks ahead, we're going to have someone from the Salvation Army Adult Rehabilitation Center talking about their work-based program. Mm -hmm. Union Gospel Mission has the Christ Recovery Center. Mm -hmm. And the distinction with all of these is they are faith-based Christian programs. And so there's a lot of options, but just there is a broader recovery uh, field. There is Hazelden, Meridian Behavioral Health. There's a wealth of resources, folks. You know, you know, I'm glad you brought that up. I, I mean, I'm obviously biased toward a Christian approach to addiction treatment, uh, but that's only because of my experience. I went into treatment myself as a uh, Jewish, non-religious atheist back in 1979, and through that process, uh, by virtue of experimenting with prayer, I uh, found a relationship with Christ, or he found a relationship with me, depending yeah. on how you want to say it. And... Um, and w- one of the things that I've also been involved with is leading a jail ministry. You mentioned that at the beginning of the show. And you're going to be on in a few weeks to talk to us more about B- that. About MEC, good point. Yeah. But 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 one of the, what I'm really trying to say here is that I'm a big advocate of what Jesus does in people's lives if they let him. And yeah. and one of the things that I've noticed is a lot of people struggle with pride, uh, and they they are reticent to give their life to God because they would rather run it on their own, or maybe they don't think they need God. One of the things that addiction does is it creates a level of humility and desperation. Mm, brokenness. Brokenness. Yeah. That, can, then, that can often facilitate a willingness to receive what Christ has for you, whether that's a person in jail or in Teen Challenge. Now, in Teen Challenge, we have what's called a short-term program, 
and uh, I can't talk about it right now because we're running out of time. Tim will fill us in more next week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but the, the short-term program, people can choose to experience yeah. a relationship with Christ if they want. And it's a choice space. Yeah, so, yeah. all right, I'll, I'll let no, you. Great, and we'll look forward to have you on in a few weeks from now talking about mission evangelism to missionary corrections. Missionary evangelism to corrections. Missionary evangelism to corrections. Corrections, and I'll have a couple weeks to get that right. Okay, we good. Will. All right. And yeah. again, Tim Saul will join us next week. He oversees mental health services, long-term recovery. Again, 612-FREEDOM, mntc.org. And I would just uh, also want to invite you to check out the R3 Collaborative website mm-hmm. where you can get links to Teen Challenge and all the other providers. What we try to do at, at R3 Collaborative is get the right person to the right resource at the right time. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to have Saul take a moment, close us out to prayer. Any thoughts before Saul closes us out, Pastor Dwight? No, but thanks, uh, Saul, for coming in. And um, we like to partner at Prison Mission Association. Anybody that's listening that, that knows someone incarcerated, we provide free Bible correspondence courses. And you can actually earn college credit in the prison. Yeah. So just go to our website. It's prisonmission.org. But Saul, would you close us out in prayer? Sure. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for your love for us. And we thank you for the redeeming power that comes through Jesus Christ. We know there are people out there suffering with addiction and some of them are incarcerated. We pray your healing hand would be on those people, that they would be open to you and receive all they have for you, from you and for you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 We'll see you next week. Amen. Amen.